Tom Wright said this, The Christian good news is all about God dying on a rubbish heap at the wrong end of the empire. The Christian good news is all about God dying on a rubbish heap at the wrong end of the empire. I want you to uh, follow with me. I'm going to read um, 1 Corinthians 1, we'll say 18 to uh, 24. And then there's another section in chapter 2, but I'm not going to read it all, okay? Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. The word of the cross, for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Okay, chapter 2, I'm just going to read verses 1 to 5. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling." And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In our generation, and our culture, perhaps maybe more than some, uh, the gospel, Christianity, is... um, not viewed favorably. Has anyone found that out or noticed? Our generation does not view our faith favorably. Many, many would likely be like those that Paul refers to here. They view the message of the cross that we believe in as foolishness. They're not afraid. I see this on Social media, you know, people who are believers post something and I see things where people say, or, or on a news story, you look at the comments that follow. People are not afraid to label Christianity as stupid or idiotic or superstition, uh, blind, ignorant faith, or fairy tale. I see that one. Oh, fairy, I don't believe in fairy tales. Uh, some are less harsh. Uh, Those are maybe the more harsh ones. Some are less harsh, uh, but still feel that Christianity and the message that we believe is for soft-minded people, for people who don't want to use their brain that we've committed intellectual suicide in order to believe this, and they call it foolishness, 
or would call it, as Paul refers to here. And in the New English Bible, it's referred to as sheer folly. They would view it. It says those that are perishing, those that are on their way to ruin, view what we believe as sheer folly. Um, And notice, though, that the verse doesn't say they view our faith, per se, as foolish even though that's probably true. But this speaks specifically about the word of the cross. That's how it's worded in New American Standard. In uh, NIV, it says the message of the cross. In uh, a couple of translations, it says the doctrine of the cross, that teaching, the whole belief. And the good old King James says it this way, the preaching of the cross. They view preaching the cross... And I think it includes all those things. The doctrine and the doctrine preached, the message, the word of the cross, all of it is put in there. They view the whole thing as foolishness. Um, But it says here, not our faith, but our faith in that message or that message specifically. Paul says the word of the cross, the message of the cross, that whole idea of this reality that we lay out, that we believe in the cross of Christ, is foolishness. You carry on and it says that the Jews viewed it as a stumbling block. The word actually is it's a word that's, that is the word from which we get our word scandal. They thought of it as scandalous that someone would preach the Messiah, the glorious Messiah Christ, would suffer, well, It's scandalous that he would even take on human flesh because we're too far below him is how it was viewed. Even though they have Isaiah 53 in front of their eyes about a suffering um, savior, they could not conceive of him being one that would take sinful flesh and then would die a sinner's death because they had Deuteronomy speaking specifically about anyone who's hanged on a tree is what? Cursed. Accursed. So wait a minute. The Messiah is accursed? It escaped notice that he was accursed with our curse. Mm -hmm. He took it on him, so we didn't have to bear it, but it was a scandal to them. It was a, a stumbling block to them and foolishness to the Greeks. Um... The preaching of the cross, the message of the cross, is about Jesus giving his life on the cross to pay for our sins and to die in place of sinners, right? That's ultimately what happened at the cross. It isn't just that God said, oh, here'd be a cool thing, a cross, and then later, generations later, they could use it as jewelry. It'd be a really cool jewelry piece. No, it was an instrument of death. It was brutal. It wasn't... The message of the cross is just inspiring me to be all I can be. No, the message of the cross is about a sinless Savior dying in our place to take, as uh, Nikki Gumbel, who um, first created the Alpha Course, he says, and don't get me wrong, wearing a cross, I know people wear it as a reminder, people wear the cross as an ornament to speak to uh, to their faith but he says a cross would be like having a little uh, bejeweled 
electric chair hanging around your neck. It, an instrument of brutal death. A, a brutal thing. So he's so now that's going to become a trend. But he here's Jesus. So the cross is not an inspirational thing that says, oh, you can be everything. Well, I mean, in an ultimate sense, it is saying you can be something greater, but it means death first. It goes through a brutal death. The message of the cross is seen as lacking good sense. That's what foolishness means, lacking good sense. Verses 19 and 20 talk about, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I'll set aside. That's what God says. You think it's foolishness, But then he carries on to say, in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. All those years, people searching for God, and they'd get little glimpses, but they missed him. They didn't see it. They think they see clearly, and that the message um, about the cross is to be dismissed uh, by the clear-headed, the free-thinking people who don't need such a crutch or a prop. Has anybody ever encountered any of this kind of sentiment from somebody? Oh, I see clearly. I see the truth. You guys have to believe in something that's fairy tale-ish. And, uh, but I don't need that kind of thing. The message, what was the thing Tom Wright said? The Christian good news is all about God dying on a rubbish heap at the wrong end of the empire, the Roman How? How could that be the message? That seems foolish that God would do that. The message is lacking in sense. It's foolish. And those who believe it are fools. A little further on in this very book, 1 Corinthians, Paul actually says, speaking about apostles, he says, we are fools for Christ's sake. It's the same word. We're fools. And, of course, he's using that in a way, saying this is how we're viewed fools for Christ's sake. He knows they're not actually fools. He knows that this is how he and other apostles, the, uh, the other apostles, which um, they, this is how they're viewed or perceived by worldly people. But that's not how God views us, amen? I mean, it, it is something to have the approval of the world. It's nice to be liked. We all have a, a desire for that, right? Or am I the only insecure one who likes it when, you know, people like you? But what we believe is out of step with the world. It's considered foolishness. It's, it's, it, they don't like it. In fact, God, though, doesn't see it that way. Do you want the approval of man or the approval of God? Well, ultimately, man, if I can keep my focus on him... I want the approval of God, even if all people say, no, that's, that's just foolishness. It, it doesn't matter. At the, heart, the, at the heart of God's view of reality, verses 19 to 21, where he says, I'll destroy the wisdom of the, of the wise, the worldly wise, and the cleverness of the clever. Ooh, that's so well put together. No, they despise the foolishness of the cross, but God says, I'll destroy their wisdom. In the end, they will look at us and say, oh, I should have believed what they believed. There were inklings of it. There were a little, in fact, I'm going to jump to the end. Something I, I have noticed in literature, in movies, in history, the gospel message, the message of the cross, 
shows up all over the place. How many times have you seen a movie or read a book or heard of a historical figure who basically the cross is the story. They laid down their life so that others... I mean, we celebrated every November 11th that these people who said... You know, I mean, when you think that some of these were like this row back here, you know, go out on the front lines now. Somebody's going to try and shoot at you, but you shoot them first. Yikes. I mean, young men and women out on the front lines having to do this, and it's like, no, I care for my family, I care for my country, and I'm putting myself on the line. And we celebrate it. And I, I, there was a movie years ago that the kids got. Actually, I guess maybe Nigel was the only one old enough at that time. Um, but it was called The Iron Giant. And it's how many have ever seen that movie? Great movie, animated movie about a kid who happens, this giant robot comes from space. And the kid finds him. And the robot is attached to him. <laughs> one point he you know realizes i've got my own i don't know it looks like it's maybe a hundred feet tall and the kid realizes i've got my own hundred foot uh powerful robot and he says i am the luckiest kid in america he says this is the greatest thing since the invention of tv i've got my own giant strong robot to carry me around do things but in the end of the movie the iron giant is the Christ figure. He puts his life on the line for everybody else. And we're watching this. Nigel's just a little kid, and I'm crying. <laughs> At the end, like, it was such a glorious depiction of Christ. And it's like, you know, Rose would be saying to, to Nigel, oh, how was it? Oh, it was good, but Dad needs a moment. You know, in the, in the living room. Like, it really, he's the Christ figure. And that is in... So many movies. It's in, if you've ever seen Braveheart, it's there. In Gladiator, two of my favorite movies, it's there. It's again and again and again and again. That is a, a tale of two cities. It's there again. That story. The world despises Star Wars. It's true. The, the world despises and says it's foolishness. And yet, it's woven all through are thinking like when we get to the end i believe there will be people in the judgment who'll go i i knew this story and i think that's even part of why the idea that the message of the cross is foolishness is because in many cases people don't really know what the message of the cross is they might see it as just, oh, that, somehow it is supposed to be just inspiring that there's a cross and oh, I don't really get what happened there. But if they hear it and where are they going to hear it from us, then it might not be foolishness. It might be the reality that jars them into getting saved. And it says here, God will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Um, and it says he is In fact, not just pleased, he's well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe it. He's pleased to do so. And in so doing, he made it that the gospel, uh, the salvation that's available through the gospel, the message of the cross, is for those who humble themselves, those who believe and receive it, rather than just for those who are 
you know, the smartest or the most disciplined or anything like that. It's for those who hear the message of the, of the cross and humble themselves and believe rather than those who are proud and too wise in their own estimation and think they don't need it. Don't be that person. For those, we'll move on. For those who hear the message of the cross and believe it, it's the power of God. He says it again, he says, again and again. He says it in verse 18. But to us who are being saved by the message of the cross, it is the power of God. And then he comes back and he says it again here. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Then he says again in verse 5 of chapter 2. Your, so that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God again and again. Those who believe the message of the cross, the God, it becomes, the message itself becomes the power of God. Amen. The word of the cross is, to us who are being saved, the very power of God. Yeah. Romans 1.16 says it again. He's, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to those who believe it. To those who believe, this message is the power of God. Believing this message about the cross is God's power to us. Not just uncontrolled, aimless power that it just, it, it, you know, but the dynamic power focused to accomplish salvation. That word that appears hundreds of times in the New Testament, the word power, is this Greek word, dunamis, from which we get our word dynamic or dynamite. We get that. And so here's this picture. I think it's a beautiful picture of this. Dynamic or dynamite-like power, which is explosive, Something happens. I mean, when they built the railway across this nation and you go through some of those passes in the mountains, they needed dynamite to move some rock to, you know, put a flat space for the, for the railway to go through. And they needed something like that that was powerful that moved a lot of uh, material so they could move that thing through. The picture of explosive power is a good one. The word of the cross is to us like that explosive power. It's there in potential. It's there to do something. And what does it take? It's of little or no consequence to those who are perishing or are self-sufficient. But to us who have caught sight of what the cross means, our faith is like the spark that ignites the explosive power of the message of the cross. It was there. I had heard it a few times, and it didn't mean anything. When I heard it and caught it and believed, that faith was like that tiny little spark that set in motion this really powerful thing. And this is where I know there's... How many have heard of uh, what they call the faith movement in sort of... Pentecostal Christianity or Charismatic Christianity, the faith movement, and a lot of negative has been said about it, and uh, for good reason in some things, because some things are kind of imbalanced, and I, there was a season in my life where I 
uh, heard a lot of that teaching, and there are elements of it that I appreciated. It called me to believe higher and expect, but there are, uh, you know, some imbalances. But this is one of the things in that movement that I think one of the things that can become a folly and it can become a folly with us, is that we get thinking that I've got to just have lots and lots and lots of faith, almost so that my faith is now in my faith, not in God. That, oh, my faith is in how much I believe and how, you know, extraordinary my... And even the disciples, when they Jesus spoke about forgiveness, and the disciples said, increase our faith. We don't have the faith to... Do what you do. And what did Jesus say? When they said increase our faith, Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, this tiny little thing. He said, it's not a matter of you need a ton of it. You need true, genuine faith like a seed, or in this case, thinking of the power of God like a spark. You know, you've good, they, they moved to create the railway, and they've got the side of this mountain, and they say, we need to go through here because there's a river. You know, we've got to move all this rock. And so they plant those charges inside there at the right place, and they don't need a giant fuse. (laughs) They don't need a big, big spark. They need lots of the dynamite and a little spark. And, And what happens when that little spark touches all that stuff? Boom, all of that is gone. Our... The message of the cross is the power of God. Our faith in it is this little spark that sets it in motion and it results in the reality of salvation. So even when we're talking to somebody about Christ and we get the chance to tell them about Christ, we don't need to know every detail. We don't need to have it all mapped out exactly. And I'm not, I'm not saying we need to be ignorant. We need to know how to present the cross so they understand what it is. But they don't, we don't need to have just tons of faith and, you know, it's got to explain every detail from Genesis to Revelation and this kind of thing. We need this, the message of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation and need to preach it clearly enough that they can, oh, I understand. I believe that. Boom. That, that spark of faith can bring about the reality of salvation, sin forgiven uh, and forsaken, a new view of the world and of God and of us in relationship to him, uh, new life, true love, joy, peace, Uh, like a flood, all of a sudden, all those eternal realities in God, once we enter through that narrow door and the spark of faith sets in motion all the power of God, these things come flooding in, eternity, fellowship with God, the goodness of God, the beauty of God, the glory of God. Does anybody remember when you got saved and that took place and you woke up and you couldn't not think about the realities that had just been introduced to you. You know, after nearly four decades of walking with Christ, I remember that time when I would, I, I just, I couldn't, I didn't care about anything else really. I, I just wanted to talk about Jesus all the time. God help me to be revived and 
realize again, oh, those realities are still there. They haven't diminished at all. They're, they're there. God, open our eyes. The God, the, the, the message of the cross, the power of God to those who are saved, the spark of faith just sets it in motion, that explosive power which we need. The unselfishness, self-giving God has demonstrated the genuine, genuineness of his wisdom and love in the cross of Christ. His wisdom of how to address sin fully and to show mercy fully in the same instrument, in the same message. And now the Holy Spirit infuses or packs the preaching of the, of the cross with his own power to allow sinners like us to see and then we believe and in comes the power of conviction of sin, the power of the love of God, the power to understand the implications of the cross for being saved and for those around us that are perishing. Power to humble ourselves and yield to God's lordship over us. Is this making sense to anybody? The message of the cross is not approved by our culture. We know that, right? It's not approved by our culture, by the world. Those whose, those whose trust is in their own understanding or ability or goodness, they don't approve of the cross. They don't get it. They don't approve of it. This message is for seemingly foolish, weak people. Okay. It has not escaped my notice, as I said, that the gospel is woven through literature, through sort of worldly entertainment. They've got it there. It's all over the place. Yet those are all imperfect reflections of the sinless Son of God being incarnated, sharing the human experience with us, suffering the punishment of our sins, or the punishment that our sins deserved, fully absorbing God's wrath against sin for us. Thus, thus removing the barrier that our sins put between us and him. So that instead, we're free to enjoy direct, unrestricted relationship with God. I still want that. I still want that. I want more of it in 2020. And so every time we come to this bread in this cup, we remember the message of the cross and what took place. And how that's a reality for us. That the way has been cleared, so we have direct, unrestricted, uninhibited relationship with God. Why would we stay back when Jesus has done for us what he's done? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this bread and juice that represent the body and the blood of Jesus. God, in your word, 
Paul said that we proclaim the Lord's death. Every time we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That death that was for us. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. That that apparently, that seemingly foolish message that the Son of God died on a cross. Yet we see and pray that by the Holy Spirit you'd enable us to see more clearly that you did that not because you deserved it. You didn't just do it as some inspirational move, but you did it because our sins needed to be atoned. That you did it so that the wrath of God that our sins deserved was absorbed by you. So that we're instead free to live in the sinlessness that is yours. We claim that in our account today. We thank you for this bread that represents the one thing you gave up. The one thing you had to give by the end. Your very life. Thank you for this bread, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take and eat with thanks and with faith today. Thank you for this cup, Lord, that represents your blood. This isn't, again, just some inspirational little thing to do, but actually something you instituted to say as often as you do this, Remember me. We remember that the blood you poured out on the cross, you did voluntarily out of love for us. Out of love for the Father and the creatures that he created in his image. So we thank you today for the blood of Jesus that washes us clean so our sins can be washed away and we can stand righteous before you. Let's drink this today with faith and again with gratitude that we've been made right with God through the cross. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. Have a blessed week.